everybody. Welcome to God's Imagers. This podcast is a community platform for Christians to share what God is doing in their lives. Together, we hope to learn more about what it means to represent God as we live in His kingdom. Our vision is for us as a community to become passionate about following King Jesus. We invite you to join us as we explore what it means to live as God's imagers. We have three guests today, Tim Lehman, Dan Lehman, and Mike Lehigh. Each of these men have a lot of experience leading their families in worship and have plenty of wisdom to share with us. So join me, Nelson Miller, as I sit down with them to discuss ways the body of Christ can connect with each other and be prepared when traditional church formats are being limited or shut down. All right, so it's good to be back here. I have three guests with me today. I don't have any of my other regular hosts with me today, um, but we want to have a discussion here about what, how believers can hold worship and how they can edify each other and connect with each other in a situation where perhaps church has been closed or mandated to close or just there's a limitation on how many people can be together or anything like that. Basically, just looking at some other ways that we can encourage each other and worship God together as fellow believers. And we want this to be encouraging, so we hope that that's what this is today, something that you can take away and practice, be practical but also very encouraging. So I'm going to go ahead and introduce who we have. So we have uh, Dan Lehman, Tim Lehman, and Mike Lehigh. So I think we're going to have a good discussion. If any of you know these fellows, you'll know that we could talk for a long time, any one of us. So let's just jump right into it. Do either of you men want to break the ice here and that you want to start us off with on this topic? When I first start thinking about government and things around us mandating different things when it has to do with worship. There's a lot of scary things that come to mind when you start thinking about back of our Anabaptist history Mm. and what took place then. We don't know what's in store for us as a country and for us as believers, but we do know that there are things happening in the world today that is going to bring some kind of differences of the way we worship and the way we get together and the way we have to practice out connection with one another. We do know that in our country alone, if you look over the past year, there's a lot of changes that happened in in the past year, and we can see a lot of governors and a lot of people of different states that have come very hard on churchgoers, believers, We here, where I live in Pennsylvania, haven't really had the church necessarily be completely stopped like some other states. But there is a sign of things happening and how drastically these people are taking things and running away with them. We need This is a subject that we need to be aware of and what to do about it when it happens to us or to our friends. Yeah, not so much as like whether you should obey the mandate and shut down. That's really not what we're discussing here. In fact, you know, we're going to maybe bless you all with wisdom in that, you know, something that you you have to decide. That's really not the topic. But like you're saying, something's changing or potentially changing in the way that we hold a church service. And perhaps this can prepare us if we're not already. An example, in, in the past year when we had to shut down for, I forget how long, several weeks, it kind of took people by surprise. People had to scramble. People were, were looking at online platforms, conference calls, YouTube live streams, and all of these things because it kind of, it, I guess in a sense, people were not prepared. And so hopefully, you know, we can come up with something that equips fathers and church leaders and, you know, to know what to do. Yeah. As I look at what happened in the last year, and especially some of the things this really stood out to me was the unpreparedness of the church and us as as believers. I mean, it happened overnight, things that we thought would never happen to us in America. We've seen this happen in other countries, censorship, especially China. We know censors their believers all the time. And we just always think it will happen in the Middle East or somewhere that it can't ever happen to America. And we found out really quick that it could happen. Now, we've been told our life, all persecution may come to America, but I don't think we've actually believed it. 
I'm not saying this is persecution, mm -hmm. but we do have to be prepared because we live in a fallen world. And my heart's desire through this conversation here is that we can better equip the church, fathers, to when that happens, have a plan and a readiness to not just accept anything that's coming down the pike, you know, but they would actually know how to lead and guide their families without allowing the spirit of fear to take over. Yeah, I guess I have to look back a few years ago and think how the Lord started showing me that, that I wasn't at a place to take care of my own home and to realize that just sort of fell into the thing of letting the church deal with that and how the fruit of that isn't good. So I look at what happened, you know, almost a year ago now, and it didn't really bother me because I had already started in taking on that it is my responsibility to take leadership in my home and no, I'm not saying I was good at it, but I had already at that point accepted it. So it really didn't bother me when, okay, we can't meet together. But what did bother me is I saw some other hurting families that were not in the place. And that's what sort of drew me into all this is because it's okay. Now there's these others that are struggling too, and I cared about them. But okay, now how do I work with them in it? And I think that's part of you know what this conversation is about because that's what pulled me into it and i and we ended up just meeting in our home spending some time together sharing and doing our best we could to to love and care about each other where we're at i guess for me that's a large part of the beginning of it yeah i know for me when my own home church when we had to close and it was it was rather sudden but i know that they started doing you know, live streaming on YouTube. Now we've always had like a phone call in line too. So there's that option. But I noticed that, well, probably everyone noticed, we almost immediately all lost connection with each other because we were so used to, I mean, getting together and you, you have church, but then you talk for, you know, an hour and a half after church or whatever it is. But that's so different when you're sitting at home or you're doing whatever you're doing and you happen to pull up YouTube and you're watching the service as what's the right word, a, a non-participant, right? You're just consuming, you know, just like you would any other video on any other topic in, in a way. And that's how that's how I felt about it. And so, you know, that may be all somebody has, okay? Or maybe that's all somebody had during this latest shutdown. I'm here to say that there are other options and there are better options, but I'm not saying that that option is something really wrong with that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying... There are even better things that we could be doing. And obviously part of that is getting together if you can with other families. And like I know I we were over at Mike's, my, my father-in-law's house there a couple of times. And it was just so amazing to be able to share with each other about what was happening. I mean, you know, we ended up talking about subjects like God providing for us and thinking about what was happening in the world. And you end up really connecting with the other people that are there. That was incredibly meaningful to us, me and my wife. And it's just something attractive about that setting where you're not just watching. You're not just somewhere, wherever, whatever you're doing. You're actually part of it. And maybe that's something that is maybe the elephant in the room type of thing with, with the way we do church. If you're not on the preach or teach Sunday school that morning or have opening, you're going to be sitting there and you're going to be listening to someone else say something. Now we sing together and pray and all that, but I'm just saying, so there is a little bit of that from our traditional church service that when it happens where that's no longer there, when you take away, you know, three quarters of it, you're left with all of us sitting at home on our couch watching YouTube and it just doesn't feel right. And Dan's over here grinning. So I'm curious what he's thinking when he's grinning at me now. Going back when this pandemic started, in the quick rush to different platforms and social media, there was definitely a really check in my spirit about the thing that's not that any of them are wrong. I've used them and will continue to use them. There's nothing in them themselves. It was the rush that went to it. And I like what you brought out, Dawson, about that connectivity part, because I can turn YouTube on and I can turn YouTube off, mm. but I'm not part. You see, I'm a father with young children and I go to church and sometimes I wonder, you know, what we're used to, regular church service, and you don't feel like you got anything out of it because they won't sit still on the bench. Or, you know, we've, we've all been, we've all know what we're talking about here, but yet you were involved, involved. You were mm -hmm. connected. But when you live stream at home, you're at your home and you have your children have all these up, they see all their toys. <laughs> 
So they're not connected at all. And to get them to sit still on the couch when yesterday they didn't have to sit still on the couch. And when it gets over and you turn it off, you're back to your home family and there's no connectivity after the service. God made us for connection. And so that's where, can we find a friend or a couple or together? And if we do have to shut down, that was, why aren't we doing, why wasn't that our first thing to jump to, to get, you know, find a couple other friends and families from the church that we, you know. Right. Maybe someone who lives close to you. Yeah. A lot of our churches, people come from, you know, pretty wide radius, you know, as far as driving distance and, you know, looking, maybe there's some families or even, I don't know, some single people. Because we mentioned, you know, Mike brought up about the family. The father is the leader of the home. Now, the father, if you want to look at it that way, the father's going to be the minister. The father's going to be the worship leader, all that. But there are some people who they're single or whatever the situation, they're not the father. They're not leading their family. They don't even have a whole family like that. You can't just paint a broad brush and say, well, you guys should just be having your devotions at home, you know. I mean, yeah, I absolutely think that that's a possibility if you have a family. Now, if it's just a single person sitting at home, it's easier said than done. How's that going to be different than any other day of the week during your devotions? And so that's why I think there's value of connecting, like we're saying, with other believers. In other words, I'm not saying, oh, you should just all sit at home and have family worship. I really think that you should, but that's what you should be doing any day of the week. I'm looking at this conversation as Sunday being a time where we can edify one another. All the one another's in the Bible, especially the New Testament there. Love one another, bear one another's burdens, all these things. Confess sins one another, pray over one another, anoint. All these things, they take a body, okay? But not. I'm not trying to take away from the fact that the fathers and husbands are the leaders of their home and should be fine on their own. I think that's a factor too. Yes, I look at this whole thing, and I think we all know that over the years, we've all probably have been part of large congregations, some of us small congregations, different denominations, different groups that are represented here. And we all have kind of been used to a certain form of the way we worship on Sundays. And a lot of that is very, very good. I am thankful for the way that I was brought and the way that my parents showed me as I was growing up. Growing up, I've heard a lot not so good things about home churches. And so whenever that word comes up, a lot of people have a check in their spirit as well. And they also say, well, if you're going to talk about home churches, they don't want to receive anything about a home church as well. You know, so it doesn't really matter whether you have church at a corporate building or church at home. We each can get set in our own system the way we do things. And I think of what you're asking is is not necessarily, no matter where you're at, whether you are in a home church setting or whether you are in a large corporate setting, that when these things come, are we prepared? And if not, why not? Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of times the way that we have done church, whether it is home church or whether it's not home church, we all have kind of taken things and got away from actually really fathers leading in the home. You know, and as you asked about being a part of this conversation, my mind went to the last verse in the Old Testament. Malachi 4 verse 6 says, And he shall turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And I think that a lot of times our programs and the things that we have done at churches have actually, in some ways, helped fathers become lax in the home. It made me lax in the home because, well, we go to church every Sunday. I think we should go to church. I think we should get together with people on Sunday. It's a blessing together with somebody somewhere. And I think that, you know, as growing up and as social media started to come a play in our world, there was a lot of us in our conservative churches that pulled the reins back on a lot of social media, a lot of tech, and for very good reasons. But we also can look back now at some of the social media platforms have kind of broken down some walls between different groups and different. So there's connections being made with people that would have not been made before. And that's a good thing. Anything can be taken that's created good here in this world can be taken too far one way or the other. You know, and then through that, I find that 
there have been so many people holding back on social media and platforms of that nature. And then as soon as we don't know what happens or what to do because of the pandemic or things around us, we run to the things that we were against before to get out what we think is right. My challenges in this conversation as well as I'm thinking of this is fathers, are you prepared to lead? And then how do you bring connectivity to your family on a Sunday? That kind of should be different as you were describing between your regularly weekly devotions. However, what form you use for your family, each family is a little different in how you bring out God's provisions to us. If I'm taking a look at this, is we know that there is a curse on the land. We know that there is a curse. And I think it's because when you look at the families in this country and in the world, there is a separation between children and fathers. We also worry about what's come with the pandemic and what's wrong with it. Instead, I think we as Christians can take a look at it and say, what opportunities do we have in this situation now to actually advance God's kingdom? What the enemy means for evil, God can take it for something good. So it should cause us to think, well, how am I being connected to, first of all, my family and how am I leading my family? And then taking that, so, okay, we can't go to church. We're going to invite people together, whether it's only people in your congregation or it's neighbors. You can get out your directory at your church and say, okay, I'm going to call these three people, and we can only have so many people in a home, whatever the thing is. All these discussions I ponder on because there is a time in history going to come where we're going to have to choose what we follow and what we don't with what the government is saying. And so this is where I want fathers to turn their hearts to their children If we don't have healthy families within our churches, we don't have a healthy church, no matter what kind of church setting you have. Mm -hmm. And so I'm looking forward to hearing what everybody else has to say about how to put that on a Sunday worship service and what some options are. I guess I think of where years ago the Lord started showing me that my wife and children were suffering in ways I didn't understand, and he needed to show me that I had a lot to work through myself before I could help any of them. And all of that leading through until we gradually work through those things and the Lord can pronounce his blessing on our home that we really can't worship together as a family. And then gradually over time as the Lord gradually healed us and brought us together as a family unit, we would start bringing friends into that worship time. I also had to realize that somewhere through there, I didn't really have much to offer them except a place to worship with us. But the... Problem came along, though, that, okay, you start seeing these people who have big hurts. And that brought me to a place one day that we were there and something pretty big happened. That we had, I think, two families that we were spending time with and we're just doing our best to worship together. And that's when the Lord just put something on me that I've noticed in life. I just asked the question of everybody there. I said, how many of us go to church services carrying a burden and go home with the same burden? And I just tried to lovingly say, uh, it's not my desire for anybody to go home carrying the same burden that they came with. And we just tried to humbly leave that open, and the Lord opened some big doors that day. And there was a really hurting couple there that opened up, and for a few of us to be able to get around them and just really pray over them and bless them and encourage them. And there was just a huge unity in Christ's spirit in it. Did we know exactly how to carry that all out? No. It was what it come down to is because we were there and we really sought the Lord to bring it about. And he showed through his grace and his mercy, he evidenced his power. And so anyway, I guess I long to get in those situations where it can be a few of us together that we can patiently let the Holy Spirit work. And I'm not saying that has to be every single time in the whole setting, but, but I guess that's part of my encouragement is for us to understand that we're all on a journey and, uh, try to ask the Lord to accurately show us on where we're at on the journey and for us to be able to focus on that without letting Satan beat us up or trying to be somewhere else on the journey where we're not. Because for a long time, I wasn't at a place where I could help anybody. I couldn't help my own family. So what good would I be trying to help somebody else? So I just praise the Lord how he's granted us victory in a lot of areas and gradually shown us how to love and care about others. And we're still growing in that. Yeah, I know just the change in setting for me personally. If I come into a smaller group, obviously a smaller group, whether that's a, you know, a lot of the churches have what they call small groups, which 
prayer group or whatever it is where there's a smaller group, odds are that you'll do less sitting in the back and more participating because there's just less of you. But that idea could actually be really scary because if you've if all you've done is come and sat on the church pew, that's where you're comfortable. That's what you're used to. That's what you know. But when you start saying, well, there's going to be three families gathered and whether you watch something on YouTube or call in or, or whether you do a Bible study, whatever that is, if there's only a few of you there, there's going to be tons of opportunity to get personal or even just whatever level you go. I'm just saying there's going to be opportunity for you to talk and you may never have talked in a church service ever. And that could be scary. But it's also an incredible opportunity. Tim mentioned about like the idea of like perspective, how it's a bad thing, the pandemics and whatever. And of course, there's a lot of bad with it. But look at the opportunity. Look at the opportunity for God wanting to cause men and me personally, like just cause men to stand up and be men. Look at that opportunity. I think it's Robbie Zacharias that says, the home was instituted before the church was. And if the home fails, history collapses. You know, your church, whatever that, when you hear the word church, whatever your mind goes to is supported by families. Your families mm-hmm. make up whatever church group that you're part of. And as we've seen here, we, we've all known people, we call them the bench warmers. I've been a bench warmer before. We just come and warm the bench, but unengaged. And so as I looked at when the shutdown came, when churches closed, the ones who our bench warmers didn't know where to go, didn't know what to do, weren't prepared. And so it was really easy just to click on YouTube and and watch the preacher preach. But as Mike was saying about home, as a father, after the YouTube's off and whatever might have been preached that morning, it might have been touching one of your children's lives or your wife's lives. If you're not engaged in church on a regular basis, it's something like, how do you speak life into your children and to your wife if they're wrestling with something that was preached that morning? Your wife may have been able to talk to another lady after church or something like that, or even you yourself. But here you are, YouTube's over, the, the church service is over, and now what? I may sound like I'm against, and I keep thinking I'm against the YouTube thing or Zoom or whatever it is, but my heart cry is fathers being fathers in the home, and I'm talking to myself here as much as anybody, because it was very easy for me just to click something on and not have to go do any study because I have young children. And so I have to keep this, I have to keep the Sunday morning service elementary for them to catch. I mean, I can't point a three point revival message to my children. I mean, if I, they're like, are you done yet, dad? You know, I mean, I had, they had to get something out of it. They weren't having Sunday school or anything, but yet I leave feeling drained, not really drained, but like there was no connectivity for the husband and wife. And so should we get locked down again? My challenge is have a couple couples that you can get with so that your children need connectivity too. They need they need connectivity with other children. And so be thinking about them too. You may have really got something out of the message we shared on YouTube, but they didn't get anything out of it and they got no connectivity out of it at all. And so I don't believe God created us to be people that would meet over a or or, or worship over a screen, if you want to call it that. You know, there's times where I like to use those things because there's a service going on that's on the other side of the country that I really want to hear and take in. It's not usually a Sunday morning service. That live stream is well and needed and stuff. And there are times that it's needed. But if there is another option when these lockdowns occur, I think we should go for that one. We yeah. ex- we should explore that as much as possible. So I'd like to ask Tim a question. I'm just picking on Tim randomly here. But what can happen in a setting that we're describing? Okay, I'm, okay, so what we've set up so far is listening on a call-in line or watching or something like that, non-participant. What have you seen happen? What are the different types of things that you've seen God do when a couple families get together? And you can all answer this. There's been a few families that were meeting with us prior to the shutdown. And so when the shutdown happened, we kind of kept operating as we were. Mike mentioned about his family not being a place of knowing how to worship or how to lead his family and getting his family in a place of, first of all, knowing how to lead that and connect that family. And so, you know, the questions that come to my mind while he's talking, so then when something happens where we're shut down, 
and you have three families get together that none of them know how to do that same mm-hmm. thing. But I th- that, that's so some of our challenges is so that we can fathers be in a place where we can have that happen. So when we can get together, Dan says about not necessarily running to an online platform every time because of the disconnection that we find in families and in people. And it's kind of amazing or ironic to me of how often growing up that television preachers were bad. And now we find out that that option is available for us to have church with just our church. And so that's what we need to do. And I think a lot of what happens in our church settings, there is a connection, but there's not a intimate level of connection that happens at our church. So to really answer your question, I have seen where it allows people to be real with one another on a different level than even at church in a corporate place. And that's where I've seen people being willing to be open and honest with one another about their struggles that for whatever reason, I'm not here to always know why the reason people won't share in a corporate setting. I think I know of some, but that's not what I'm going to answer right now. But getting together as families and not just families your age, especially if you have a age variety at your own church, get some older ones and some younger ones and mix them up. And if if your congregation is really into that, they can really make it different throughout each Sunday. You could be meeting with somebody different and doesn't mean you have to. I have seen personally with my own experience of people finding a connection, first of all, with their Heavenly Father that they have never experienced before. And so they're asking me the question, well, why did I not have that connection before? I mean, we go to church, we fellowship, we worship, but I never felt that connection. And why is that? And I'm still searching out the real total answer behind that. But being together with other people at your home does allow some authenticity that does come out of people that they're unwilling to share outside of that. So those are some good things that I see, people being a little more authentic of where they're at in their relationship with God and with their fellow man. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking even, I've been in a couple worship services with, I guess, all of you men here, and I've seen spontaneous prayer. I've seen random people, the young people, the ladies sharing testimonies from what something happened that week. I've seen anointing. I've seen people find freedom from something, whatever it was. And I'm just, I'm looking at this whole subject as fairly new to the idea, but like totally attracted. Like, like what's not good about it? Getting together and connecting one-on-one because it just feels, it feels like that was a what church is. I mean, obviously there's, there's lots of teachings to be learned in the Bible and there's absolutely a time and place for sermons, for Bible teaching and all of that stuff. But what happens when you get done with the sermon? The sermon's over. Okay. Well, we've got to get lunch. See you later. There was no processing. Uh, there's no prayer where, where you're like now, okay, we've heard from God from this sermon. And now let's work through it and pray through these things and have people pray over us and all. That's that's kind of like maybe a, a missing element that I'm seeing is so important. I mean, it's so easy for me. You name it, pull up my favorite preacher on YouTube or podcast and whatever and click, it's over. Yeah, I think your questions there are what you're saying that you have been seeing. I think that's something that I know that I have been trying to put into more readily available prayer to happen in spontaneous situations. So whether you're in a setting and they have prayer requests, we a lot of times each of our services have times of prayer requests, and, and that's a good thing. But how many times do somebody say, well, I would like you to pray for me because I'm going to, you know, I've got a tough thing at work this week, or I've got a court, I got a date, or I'm going for a job interview, or whatever that situation mm. may be, or I'm struggling with a relationship. And how many of us say, okay, we'll pray for you, and we never do. And I guess that's kind of a little bit where I see some of our things that happen within our worship services is when somebody does say, pray for me, we don't just say, okay, we as a group gather around them right there immediately, and we go, we're going to pray for you right now. And the, the blessings and the connectivity that that brings to a group of people 
because they also right away know that you're connected to your heavenly father because that's we're connected to him through prayer other ways as well we're connected but they see a visual thing hey i asked for prayer and the blessings that they receive right there for that i know that i have been in those positions where i've asked then for people to come around and pray and then i've also been in the positions of that where i've asked for prayer and the rest of the group immediately gets up and gathers around and when that happens the things that flow out of you throughout the next week or the next days is just tremendous and so those are things that really really are a good thing that happen within these things mm -hmm. yeah and these things that we're talking we're describing we're not in no way trying to say that the way we've done it is just horrible and terrible but we're looking at this god's doing something with his church and we're looking at it like we're trying to see that we're trying to have 2020 vision if you will say because i really i've never heard anyone really say it but i really think 2020 was a, an eye-opening year mm -hmm. for the spirit realm mm -hmm. for us opening up to the spirit realm and i really think god's doing something with his church and this discussion was my purpose for wanting to have this discussion was to be prepared. I mean, for me personally, I, I'm attracted to a smaller group. I really am. I'm also attracted to going to a regular church because I get to see so many more people. I love people. I get to see a hundred of them at once rather than, you know, 25 of them. You know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. there's so much, there's value in everything, but what we're trying to do is maybe present some balance, maybe some alternatives that we've never even thought of. Uh, a few years ago, I would I would think this conversation was crazy. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. I've never been there. I don't understand. And so I could just sort of tend to tune it out. But now we're being faced with it. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation because it is literally happening. Something that I've never would have expected to happen in the United States where church is being closed. And so it's causing us to think through this um and i really appreciate all the thoughts that you are sharing well i'm just gonna piggyback a little bit off of of what's been said here and on the whole 2020 thing being open to the spirit realm and things that we even said earlier about things we never thought would happen in america that happened this year and i know i know i've came out publicly a, against not really i don't want to use the word but really cautioning um the social media platform as far as the way or live streaming as a way i i'm not against that but what we have seen especially even with just the election of how much censorship happened listen you realize when you put it on you your your sermon on youtube if you put your sermon on zoom or wherever it is it is on the internet it is out there and people can find it and people who do not like christ can find it i'm not trying to scare anybody but what i'm saying is if you use that as your alternative to go to that alternative may disappear that, that alternative <laughs> yes you, you nailed it so what are we going to do when they shut your they shut your preacher your channel down hmm. midstream sunday morning hmm. and they shut you down and you click on these, well, you knew somebody, other church, you clicked on to them, and all of a sudden they got shut down. Listen, we have to understand about the spirit world, the devil, I don't want to give him credit, but he does not want the church to grow. He does not want us using these platforms. And I think we're being lured into something, and I think, so then what are we going to do if they, if they shut these things down? And so I want to bless, listen, our you said about our leaders they had no, they didn't know what to do i mean hmm. they i thought they did actually an incredible job at what they did as far as trying to keep their congregations connected mm -hmm. i want to bless them and what they did do but also we do know we hear rumors of this happening again and so i would bless the leaders to as as leaders in our, as they get together what can we do if this happens you know most of us are used to a plural ministry mm -hmm. Divide yourselves up. Have a list of people that you have that if this happens, that you're going to contact them. Hey, our cell phones may get shut down. They're, they're running on the same network as all this other stuff is. I'm just saying, not, I'm not scaring anybody, but I'm just saying we, we are living in a day and age that it can happen. And so have a way that if something happens that you can connect with 
the ones that are under under your care. And so I just want to bless each of you and whatever God's having, where God has you guys going in, in your families and those listening in and wherever God has you, but get a plan, get it. And it's not going to be perfect and that's okay. Yeah, we know as we look at this whole thing, no matter what platform you're using for your worship, the devil doesn't want it to happen. I think he's the author of the pandemic because he's the author of separation. He doesn't want separation. He doesn't want life. But I just bless everyone for whichever way they choose to connect. But my thing is, is to connect because there's life that happens when connection is made. My thoughts go back a little bit. This past weekend, my wife's family got together and my brother-in-law was sharing what he's doing this winter, what book he's reading this winter through his pastime, and it's The Martyr's Mirror. And so these men, our Anabaptist forefathers, faced some things that they were unexpected to them. Some of it was chosen. They knew what would come when they poked our finger at the authorities and said, you're wrong. And here's what God's word says to do. And the belief system that each one of them had within themselves to stand up and just say, you know what, we're going to continue to carry out what God has asked us to do. What I know, I'm not going to deny that life inside of me. Pretty big challenge. First of all, challenge is I don't do enough reading and I don't think I could read through the murder's mirror. (laughs) And I bless my brother-in-law in doing that. But I looked through that book as a young boy many times, looked at all those pictures of what can take place. And you know, the thing was, is no matter what happened around them, they found some way to connect with each other. Hmm. And I think that was their core thing of being able to hold Hmm. together. And so I bless each one here that's listening to this that has questions or has even different ideas of how to get together and to worship is... Find people to connect with, because when you don't, life gets stale, and and that's what the enemy wants, because the more you disconnect with somebody and you listen to the wrong kind of news, and there's so much news out there, I know of people that I felt would believe a certain way, and then when this thing comes along, like what's coming out of their life just is not what I would have thought, and because their news source was from somewhere that it should have not been probably. And so, yeah, learn to connect. Let the Spirit of God flow in these connections because He can bring relationships together that you never expected. And I know that's what happened with our family in the past year of how we have chosen to worship with other believers on a Sunday and get together with them. It brought a lot of connectivity and life, things that, you know, the Bible says about being led by the Spirit that we can't tell whence it comes and where it goes. It's like the wind blowing. And so often we try to put a certain plan of how Christianity and how things need to look. And I'm not saying that they can't look a certain way. But in all this, be mindful to the leading of the Holy Spirit in your life mm-hmm. to not just recoil from whatever's offered to you, but to connect with other people because. When tragedy happens, the enemy always wants fear to happen. And when fear happens, we take avenues we never expected in life to take. And so what I'm saying is, is if you're grounded in the spirit, you will automatically, as our forefathers did, you will automatically start seeking out and doing those things of connection that need to be made so that life can continue to be birthed. Mm Mm-hmm. Guess I'd like to just talk a little bit towards connection, but most of my life I didn't know what connection was. Mm-hmm. So I look, I think about the men who don't know where to start, mm-hmm. and I just I look at a lot of the advice that I give young guys that are getting married. If you start every day praying with your wife before you get out of bed, and you end every day praying with your wife before you go to bed. You'll learn something. And whoever you pray with about deep issues is who you get close to. Hmm. I didn't know that growing up. I didn't know that going into marriage. But I learned that through praying through difficult matters in our home. And I gradually learned that, okay, when my wife is struggling, what should I do with her? 
stop and pray through the issue until the Lord brings peace in it. Seems elementary, except very few people do it. And then, you know, I start stopping and doing the same thing with my children. And next thing you find out, well, that's what draws us all together. That's what brings peace into our home. And then, you know what, it gets after that. I mean, it was several years later that uh, another fellow was listening to the Lord taught him something that he was spending time talking with somebody somewhere and the guy asked him to pray for him. So he stopped him right there and prayed for him. And what he learned is if you stop and pray for somebody immediately, you'll remember the incident and you will re actually remember to pray for it later. He's like, every time that I didn't pray for it immediately, he said, I rarely ever remembered it later. Mm -hmm. And and I just started working on that, just praying with people right away. And you find huge relationships built out of just stopping and praying with somebody right in the moment because that's when they needed it. <laughs> they didn't need it later. They needed it now. But how many of us don't have time for that? And I guess in everybody's journey, just for us to learn those things about stopping and lovingly working through and praying through issues with each other, God will build his church out of that. I'm not saying what it's all going to look like, but uh, love and connection will flow out of it. And so that's where I look to the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us and show us the way, and we keep seeing his power doing it. Yeah, you actually touched on some really good points there. And just there at the end, like when you're seeking God and you're seeking to connect with God, you're just going to want it more and more. And you're going to know that by connecting with others, you're the ones, others who are brothers and sisters in the faith, and they're going to also be leading you towards God. And it's just, that's something that you're going to desire. And, and I know you were talking there about if someone doesn't, well, doesn't really have any experience in, you know, this type of setting that we're talking about getting together and it's uncomfortable, or maybe there's no desire there because you didn't know what there was to desire. <laughs> if you never knew what there was to even desire, well, the first place is just to start talking to God, but then, or, or go to another brother and say, can you pray through this with me? Um, I'm feeling disconnect with God and, and all of these things. And I just was struck, you know, if Micah and Caleb were here, they'd laugh at me, but I'm going to go back to Genesis because that's where I always go back. In Genesis 2 is where God made Adam, right? But it was not good for him to be alone. And we say, well, that's about marriage. Well, it's true, but there was something missing in his life. And yes, it was a woman, but there's, he also, you know, didn't just make Adam and Eve. He, he made children and then you know, we have mm -hmm. all the families of the earth. And it's just a, a beautiful thing when people get together because it is something that God ordained. It's something that I think God created humans to do. And, you know, like our podcast is about representing God, being God's imagers. I really think that just what we've been saying, trust God, but seek him and ask him what, what he wants for your family. Ask God how your family can represent God during a shutdown or just whenever and seek wisdom. And I think you're going to find it. I think you're going to find where God is leading you, whether that be with other families or with your children or your parents or some single people or your neighbors, wherever. We're not telling you where that is. We're telling you that when you seek it, you will find it and it's going to be a really good thing. Yeah, there was some questions that you had asked us to think about before we got together as far as what things can look like and what can be different or what might stick out to people in this. And, you know, we all have a form of the way we usually worship at our churches. And there has to be something usually when you get people together, whether it's 30 or 50 or 100 or however many, there usually has to be some kind of outline. Well, you know, we're mm -hmm. going to get together, we're going to have three songs and all that sort of thing. And that works. That's been working for years. Um, and I, my challenge is that if you have to get together with three families, two families, whatever that is, 
maybe try to change that up just a little bit. Maybe take one Sunday and just sing together. Hmm. Um, the blessings that come, and I know we have hymn sings at church sometimes, but when it's just a family, that maybe we don't have as many there to harmonize and make it sound real pretty or whatever it is, hmm. but just sing there. And then when you sing those songs, actually discuss the meaning of those songs. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, this is what spoke to me as we were singing this song. Maybe spend a worship service that way. Next time, maybe testimony time. I'm just saying, you know, we're not we're not coming here. We're not prepared. Not you know, not that a sermon's wrong, but just take one Sunday and we're going to have testimony time and share what God's been doing in your life. We look at the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul, every chance he got, gave his personal testimony. And so what are we doing? See, God uses our story for his Mm -hmm. glory. And if we don't share, if we don't take time when we get together to share a testimony, how do we know what God's doing in each other's lives? Mm -hmm. Next time, maybe it's a lot more prayer than it is anything else. Like, I'm just giving examples for you, especially if you've never been in that type of setting and you find yourself there not knowing what to do. Don't come with agenda. Just come and say, you know, what we're going to do is we're going to open the songbook and we're going to sing. Or open the Bible and start at Psalm chapter 1 and read. Go around the room reading a couple chapters in the Bible and just let it speak to you. Um, There is so much there. And, and so those are just different examples that you can do on a Sunday morning to learn how to bring connection and allow God to speak. Um, there's many others, mm-hmm. but just I guess it just opens you up to see what God has for you. Yeah, that, what you were just saying reminded me, Caleb and Micah and I are big fans of the Bible Project, and one of the fellows there that started that was Tim Mackey. And when he became a Christian, they had absolutely no clue what to do because a group of skateboarders become Christians. You have no point of reference. So they started meeting at one of their houses and they had no clue what to do. So you know what they did? They'd pick a book of the Bible and they would read the entire thing. Mm-hmm. And I actually cannot imagine that. Like, I don't know. I've never done that. But that is all they knew what to do. And God has incredibly blessed his life and his ministry. I'm not saying it's because of that. I'm just saying (laughs) there's an option for you Mm -hmm. that came to my mind. Mm -hmm. Something else that the Lord took me through a little while back is I, the Lord just asked me one day, what is worship? And I had to wrestle with that. And I'm not saying that I have totally the whole idea, but I guess, can we just trump up worship Hmm. and make it happen? And that's how the Lord gave me the answer that I have. Others may have. A little bit different twist, but our worship comes out of our healing. Mm. Our worship comes out of a big view of God. If we don't come together with a big view of God, where are we going to get it? Mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, so it is important, you know, our daily walk through the week, you know, in getting to this place. And, you know, once again, that goes back to fathers, because if we're not living out that walk all week long, that God is a big God, our family's not going to believe it. Mm-hmm. And we obviously won't have anything for anybody else, but that is also, that's just really helped me to, mm-hmm. I don't expect to get together with a group of hurting people and have a lot of worship without there being encouragement and healing. Mm-hmm. That's going to look different than getting together with a group of people who have been with the Lord for a long time. They're at probably a higher level and able to worship. But, you know, what I learned in spending some time with my next door neighbor, he couldn't even pray. What's it look like to worship with him? All I could do with him is lovingly listen to him and pray with him and take him into God's presence. But he came away with peace. Mm-hmm. He couldn't go any further than that then, but I could go away and worship about that. I could be excited about that. You know, I just, you know, those are the things I think about that, okay, each situation, you know, like Tim's saying, is going to be different. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit is the only one that's going to be able to show us where that is and for us to be entirely open for the Spirit to lead us into what needs to happen that day. 
because it's it's going to mm-hmm. look different every time and that that's to me that is probably the biggest thing of showing a big god is that every time it's different mm-hmm. and going into a situation just just excited about lord okay what are you going to do today and how are you going to get mm-hmm. it there it, it's just exciting watching it's not something you have to generate like you said or, or conjure up or whatever word you use there but like that reminded me of, of maybe another thing here. You know, we talk about preacher preparing their sermon and it takes a lot of effort and time and all that. And then you deliver it and you, you have this great delivery and then, well, then you're wore out or whatever. I'm, I'm not, I don't know how it is for preachers. I'm not a preacher. I'm just imagining that there's some level to that. But I don't know, in a smaller group where you don't feel like you have to come with this big formal presentation there's so much less pressure on you, which means there's less pressure on your wife and on your family that week or that month. And then you show up and you can actually, you don't have to generate anything. It just happens where you can all share. And then whatever it was that you were studying, you can present and share. But when you leave, you leave filled rather than tired and wore out because you're up late studying all night. I'm not trying to say don't study and don't do it. I'm just looking at it as another, maybe one more bit of icing on the cake for there are advantages to what God is bringing the church into. I would give this challenge out as Mike was given that example with his neighbor. I think where some of the places that we may have went off the rails in the way that we operate church and the way we do church is let's give this example of Mike talking to his neighbor and he's telling his church friends about talking to his neighbor. Then we all want to get him to church. Mm. You know, that's the next step. We want to get him to church. There's nothing wrong with getting him there to church, but we realize that the church or Christ is within us and we're taking the church to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we have that mindset when whatever pandemic, whatever shutdown, whatever happens, or whichever way of platform that we use as worship, is it's not going to there to find God, it's bringing him there and it's bringing him to our neighbors. I think when we get that mindset together, then our whole idea of how to worship, as Mike was saying, changes, is it's not about making him come to church on Sunday to be a good person. You took it to him. Now we'll let the Spirit do the work. Well, thank you all for listening today. May God bless you. Be sure you are subscribed and tune in next time to God's Imagers Podcast.